Hey, I'm Kim Forrester and welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. More than just the mundane or pleasure and pain, Eudaimonia calls for us to create a good life. It's about fulfillment, inspiration, joy. So plug in, relax and get ready for the goodness as we explore the characteristics and daily practices that can help you, your loved ones and your community flourish. For Aristotle, balance was the defining ingredient in a good life. In order to live virtuous and happy lives, he said, we must seek what he called the golden mean, that sweet spot between two extremes. So today, we're going to talk about balance, temperance, and how living in the middle ground may be the key to the fulfillment we're actually looking for. Dr. John Martini is a world-renowned specialist in human behavior. He's a researcher, polyglot author, and global educator. He has studied over 30,000 books across all the defined academic disciplines, and he is the founder of the Martini Institute. Now, he has authored more than 40 books himself on a wide range of topics such as corporate and financial empowerment, self-development, relationships, and social transformation, and he regularly contributes to the Oprah magazine. It was my absolute pleasure to chat with Dr. Martini over the phone to hear why seeking a balanced perspective may be the most vital key of all in leading a fulfilling and inspired life. Dr. Martini, it's such a pleasure to have you here with me today to talk about the importance of balance. How are things down there in Melbourne today? Well, they're great. I'm uh, doing podcasts and interviews and researching away. You teach a lot about the importance of seeking balance in life. And what's interesting is I think most people believe that a fulfilled life is actually about reducing challenge and pain. But you warn against chasing that fantasy of like a perfectly happy and easy life. Why is it important to embrace the unpleasant side of our lives as much as the more pleasant aspects? Well, first of all, as C.S. Lewis describes, two poles of a magnet are inseparable, and striving for a one-sided magnet is futile. And life is like a magnet. In Buddhism, they say that the desire for that which is unavailable, the positive pole of the magnet, and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable, the negative pole of the magnet, is a source of human suffering. So we're striving for a one-sided world instead of embracing the two sides that they have. So let me give an example. If I walk up to people, which I do in the seminars, my Breakthrough Experience program very, pretty well weekly, and I go up to somebody and I pick a, a guinea pig, I call them, and I said, you are always nice, you are never mean. You're always kind, you're never cruel. You're always generous, never stingy. Always giving, never taking. Always considerate, never inconsiderate. Always peaceful, never wrathful. Always positive, never negative. Would you believe me if I said that about you? And they look with usually a puzzled face and they go, uh, not exactly. And then I say, well then, if I said to you, you're always mean, you're never nice, you're always cruel, you're never kind, you're always negative, never positive, always wrathful, never peaceful, always taking, never generous, always, uh, you know, never giving, always stingy, never generous, always inconsiderate, never inconsiderate, would you believe me? And they go, uh, nope. And then I say, if I said to you, Sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, sometimes you're positive, sometimes you're negative, sometimes you're peaceful, sometimes you're warpful, sometimes you're generous, sometimes you're stingy, sometimes you're giving, sometimes you're taking, sometimes you're considerate, sometimes you're inconsiderate. Mm. They immediately go, 
Yep, that's true. They have certainty about the balance, but they have an emotional bias with an uncertainty, an intuitive uncertainty when they try to be one side. So we innately know that we're both. And most people are trying to get rid of half of themselves, yet they try to love themselves. But how are you going to love yourself if you're trying to get rid of half of yourself? Mm -hmm. So I don't teach that. I say in order to be the master, you have to embrace your hero and villain, your saint and sinner, your virtue and vice. And you got to realize that because of the spectrum of values across the world, every value system is honored by somebody. That's why we have diversity of the world. And for everything that somebody promotes, somebody else demote it. And what's interesting is you're going to be supported and challenged by people all your life. You're going to have people that like and dislike you. They can be friends and enemies. And most people can relate to that. So striving for one side is futile. Mm. And trying to be only one side to all people will be futile. And trying to get rid of half of yourself will be futile. And trying to only be one side and try to get yourself into this so-called perfection instead of embracing the balanced perfection. See, people think that perfection is one side. Well, nobody's perfect. But the reality is the perfection is the two sides. If we only support a child, we make them juvenile dependent. Mm. If we challenge them, we become, they become more precocious and independent. If we bring a balance of support and challenge, which causes maximum growth and development, we have a stable child. You need both. That's why when the overprotective mother comes along, sometimes a challenging father shows up as a balancing act to make sure the child gets a balance of the two. And if both parents are too easy on the child, the brother beats them up and bullies them, or the kid in the street bullies them. Mm. Nature's always trying to make sure that we get maximum growth and efficiency. So we need both and embracing both. Our body has anabolic and catabolic, build and destroy, reduction and oxidation, alkalinity and acidity. It has parasympathetic and sympathetic. It builds itself up with pride, puts us down with shame. It keeps us in equilibrium. And it's kind of like the the laws of compensation and conservation that's, that's trying to be expressed here by the wisdom of nature, trying to keep us centered instead of polarized to one side. So searching for that which is unavailable and trying to avoid that which is unavoidable is a source of a lot of passionate suffering, mm. the animal suffering, the idiot that strives for one side of the world. Imagine being married and say, well, I, I'm only going to accept the positive, supportive, kind, and sweet side, and I won't tolerate the other one. Well, you're not going to last very long. <laughs> well, that's um, that's what a question that is that is forming in my mind is that should we not strive to be more kind or more pleasant, and should we not? I, I gave that up. I I I did a research project in that when I was 28 to 30 years old. I spent two years trying to be one-sided. Then I kept records of it in every one of the areas of my life. I found out it was futile. I don't waste my time on that. I gave that up. I gave up happiness. It made me too sad. <laughs> I tell people, look, if you want to love somebody, you got to love both sides. Everybody wants to be loved for both sides, not one side. And so I, I, it's futile trying to be one-sided. So I'm not interested in being kind or cruel or trying to be one-sided. I embrace both because the truth is my life has both. Right. And yet you come across, Dr. Demartini, as you are a very generous and gracious man to the people around you. Is that not because you are striving to be so? And if No, not, that's the illusion you have. <laughs> <laughs> that's the illusion you have about me. I'm, I'm, I can be really tough on people in my seminars. I can be really hold them accountable. 
The other day, I had a lady who was a Chinese woman there that was wanting to run her story and be the victim and run a fantasy story about her mother was supposed to be instead of appreciating her mother. Mother did amazing things for her, but she was comparing her mother to a fantasy about how she was supposed to be. And when if you watched me play with her, I was not sitting there, oh, you poor thing, and and show compassion for her. I confronted her and hold her accountable for her delusionary position about her mother and wrote down where she's done it and how it helped her, that what her mother did, and, and, and broke her fantasy. And if you'd see me in that, you thought, God, you're tough on this lady. <laughs> but the, the outcome was we, we she was grateful for her mother when I was through. Right. So I'm not a kind person or a cruel person. I'm a human being. And if you support my values, I can be kind like a, a pussycat. Mm-hmm. You challenge my values, I can be cruel like a tiger. I don't have a desire to be one side. I gave that up. You know, in my by the time I was 28 to 30, I feel it's futile and it's unfair to people to promote an uh, opium of the masses and a fantasy that's not livable. That is amazing. Now, that story you just told about the lady in your workshop brings me to another important point. Balance in our relationships. This is something that you talk about a lot, and you talk about the way that we can become infatuated with other people. That's the fantasy that you were just discussing there. How does infatuation with others undermine our ability to flourish in ourselves? Well, when you're infatuated with somebody, you're perceiving more support than challenge, more positive than negatives, more kind than cruel, more up than down, and you're conscious of the positives and you're unconscious negatives, and you have what is called a confirmation bias to the positives and a disconfirmation bias to the negatives, and you're subjectively biased, mm. and you're not seeing the whole person. And just give it a day, a week, a month, or a year, and you'll find out this person's, you know, fatal attraction. <laughs> you'll discover the other side, like Michael Douglas did with Glenn Close. So these are delusions, and that's not love. That's a dopamine-driven infatuation that's a fantasy about who they're supposed to be. And then when they don't live up to it, then you're resentful. And you then crash them because they're not matching your fantasy. And this is childish. And the same thing on the resentment side. Now you're conscious of the negatives. You're unconscious of positives. You have a bias towards those, and you want to run the story. You know, and then uh, that they're they're all bad and they're all negative. And and the most extreme example of these biases is all or none. They're all positive, no negatives, mm-hmm. or all negatives, no positives. This is the ex- most extreme black and white fundamental view that people have. This is foolish, and this is childish, and it's and it's unproductive. Human beings have uniquenesses of values, and if you can't see how what their their values help you fulfill yours, you're going to want to fix them. And these fantasies of infatuation eventually lead to depressions and resentments because they're not real. And so I tell people that you have to see both sides of people if you want to learn to love people. And relationships will be destroyed by infatuations. There's a high for a moment, and you get a dopamine fix and a serotonin rush, and you fantasize about, oh, I want babies with this person. This is my soulmate. <laughs> yeah. But the soulmate walks on the soles of your feet, tippy-toeing. And a heel mate is what's next. Just wait for the, the soul to turn to the heel, and the heel mate is the one you want to stomp on them with. So I always say that you need a fully grounded foot, the soul and the heel, if you want to have a loving relationship. And let's look at the converse of that. I think we can tend to demonize those who have different values to us. We can tend to make Well, that's them. foolish, though. Yes. The world is made out of a mixture of pairs of opposites. You know, you've got pro-lifers and pro-borders and pro-guns and anti-guns. You've got all pairs of opposites, and they all want to, always want to be right and fight. But the lowest level of the amygdala functioning in the brain is being proud. 
and pride is the cause of falling and, and the hubris or whatever. I, mm. I'm not, I, the addiction to infatuation, the addiction to pride in oneself are the, the two things that block communication and love. Learning how to appreciate other person and finding out how what they're dedicated to is serving you, what you're dedicated to serving them. I have people every weekend in the breakthrough experience with complete opposite value system. I show them how to link values and they can respect and have dialogue. Otherwise, they're having alternating monologues where one's speaking, the other one's not listening, then the other one's speaking, they're not, the other one's not listening. And that gets you nowhere. And then they wonder why people that are sitting there trying to resolve an issue in, in places in the world that think they're right mm. get nowhere. They it's, can't get anywhere because they're right. And right is not love. <laughs> Last week, uh, my podcast was about forgiveness. Marina Cantacuzino has uh, started up the Forgiveness Project. It was really interesting because it's echoing what you're saying there. She was saying that the uh, the best way to um, to not even forgive, but to come together with others who have harmed you or who you believe have harmed you, is to actually see the humanity and to understand that in every single one of us there is that capacity for kindness and for cruelty, as you're saying. Well, the thing is, is I'm not, I'm not a kind person. I'm not a cruel person. When they come up, I just think about some funny examples. <clears throat> if I go up to the airport and they say, Dr. DiMartini, you're an emerald platinum, uh, you know, 19 million mile person. We've upgraded your thing and given you a first class ticket. Da, da, da. I can be a really kind pussycat. Yeah. But they say, well, so, somehow, Dr. DiMartini, we, we don't find your record. Uh, we don't have you on the thing. Uh, we don't have a thing. We, maybe next week it can go, but we, we, we don't have any record of it. And I find out that I've got a document and a confirmation number and they can't find it. I, I don't go, Oh, <laughs> I, I sit down. May I speak to your supervisor, please? Right. But <laughs> Can what? we find somebody who knows what they're doing here? Thank you. And then I'll demand, you know, Richard Branson to fly immediately there and meet with me. <laughs> so my observation from that, and I think the most powerful thing for my listeners to understand from what you're saying there is that you are those things, and yet, and there is no judgment from you whatsoever whether that is right or wrong. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I find that the the minimum density of the extreme polarities of morality are childish. It's the lowest level of punishment rewarding consciousness it's a religious dogma of one-sidedness that's an opium of the masses the fastest way to disempower people mm. is to promote a one-sided fantasy that the people are supposed to live and then they fall short and they feel depressed and then they depend on some institution to sell them the fantasy so it's about accepting who we are in our humanity appreciating it not accepting it appreciating that you need both Oh, that's you don't get anywhere with with one side, right? I've been teaching this for over thirty four years, thirty six years almost, and and I've been telling people, you know, you, you're trying to get rid of half of yourself, and you call it improvement, mm. but the truth is, you haven't gotten rid of it. I ask people by the thousands, how many of you still have negative thoughts, and how many have been addicted to positive thinking? <laughs> and they all put their hands up and they go, oh, so you, what are you going to do? Call yourself a failure because you have both sides? Right? Why don't you call yourself a human? Yes. Now let's expand that concept and talk about life itself. Self because you teach a really important concept in that the universe is always in balance. So in every challenging situation, there is an equal amount of opportunity. So how do my listeners find that balanced view when life is doing its best to bring them down? Well, 
life is never doing that. That's the thing. It's it's their perception of life. They got to be accountable. People that want to be exogenously, externally, you know, controlled by the world out there and have a scapegoat out there and have a savior out there are going to be woefully misled and disempowered. Mm-hmm. It's never what happens to you. It's your perception, decisions, and actions from it. And so I can take a person that's been through the most outrageous stuff. And I can say, all right, so yes, I'm not denying that this has happened, but that's not what matters now. Now, what are we going to do with it? Nice. How do you, let's find the blessings in it. Let's find out how we can use it to serve. Let's find out how we can grow from it. And when I do, they go, whoa, instead of being a victim of history, they're now a master of destiny. And to me, that is way more empowering than sitting there blaming things on the outside and looking for some savior on the outside to rescue you. Nice. That's the lowest level of the dynamic and heuristics in human psychology. Most primitive thing of a punishment rewarding world out there, that you're a victim of this punishing, rewarding world, this utopia, dystopia construct. I'm a firm believer in going deeper and finding out your accountability. The master lives in a world of transformation, not the illusions of gain and loss, not the illusions of black and white. They're able to see the gray beyond the black and white, and they transcend it. Our executive center has the capacity to have reason and objectivity, which means even-mindedness, and not be trapped by the subjective biases of the amygdala, which is wanting to avoid a predator and seek a prey, avoid the, the, the scapegoat and seek the savior. And this is delusional. I found out that everything that I've seen in other people that I've judged, the reason I'm judging it is because I'm too proud to admit I have it, but I do, and I'm ashamed of it, though I'm reminding myself of it when I see them. Right. And when I do somebody I admire, it's because I'm too humble to admit I have it, but I do have it, and I'm proud of it, but I'm afraid to admit it. When I finally look and reflect and have reflective awareness, then I own it all, and I don't look outside me. I see them as reminders of the things that I've disowned and help me own it to empower my life. At the level of the essence of the soul, nothing's missing in me. At the level of the existence of the senses, things appear to be missing in me. Mm. But so if we're sitting in a space where something unpleasant has happened in our life and we're, we're feeling like a victim and you're saying that it is possible for us to reach for the blessing that's within that, the teaching or the learning or the growth. Well, there's no such thing as a one-sided event. Right. So the idea that to think that it's a tremendous, you know, we we all have events that we think are terrible a day, a week, a month, a year, five years later we look back and go, thank God that occurred Yes. we also think, oh I got that new house I'm so happy, I finally got a terrific event and then it starts eroding, breaking down cracking and paying and taxes and maintenance and landscaping and and fighting and and uh, you, th- you think oh my God, I got a positive without a negative or a negative without a positive, these are delusions that people are trapped in initially because they don't look for the other side at a moment, but why not have the wisdom of the ages with the, without the aging process by looking now yeah. and seeing both sides and sending yourself and poising yourself instead of poisoning yourself with fantasies. You just spoke about something I really wanted to talk about and that is that it works in the opposite as well. So when life is going really well, are you saying that in those moments of celebration or euphoria that we should actually be aware of the downside? Absolutely. Let me give you a reason why. Here's a guy that comes to me in the breakthrough experience and he's talking about his wife and he's going, you know, she's a fantastic woman. She's amazing. She's great with the kids. She's first class, but I'm just not passionately sexual with her. It's just, just, it's just not fulfilling sexually. And I go, okay, so who are you comparing her to? Because if you never met any other woman on the planet, you'd have nothing to compare her to. So who are you comparing her to? Yeah. And he goes, he looks at me like kind of startled and he goes, well, I guess I am. And I said, well, who is it? 
this girl I met about 11 years ago at Club Med had some drinks and took her to the room. And for the next three days, we never left the room. We had ordered food in. We had a hot tub there. We showered throughout the day. We we basically had this passionate sexual experience and frenzy for three days. And they said, but now that was three days that were amazing. And I said, yeah, but what was the downside of those three days? He says, man, there was no downside. I said, yeah, there is. What's the downside? And he stopped and he reflected. He goes, well, okay, she did kind of have a whiny voice. Okay, what else? Well, she did kind of have some strange thighs. What else? Well, she did have thin hair. She had to wash her hair like three times a day. Mm. What else? Uh, she really wasn't the highest class. Like, my wife is really high class. What else? And I made him go in there and crack the fantasy that I held on to for 11 years. Right. And made him get grounded about what were the true downsides that he was blind to because of his subjective bias. Yes. And as he was doing it, he started getting tears of appreciation for his wife because she is a real person with both sides. And he had fabricated a fantasy about this girl. And any time a wife is being compared to a fantasy, she can't win. So, yeah, you want to, in that moment, you can find the downsides. And if you don't, you're trapped by a delusion that is stored in your subconscious mind and running your fantasy land. And then when you're comparing your current reality to fantasies, you don't appreciate your life. So, yeah, I'm not promoting fantasies and euphorias and elations. And people go, why would you not want to do that? Don't you want people happy? No, I want them grateful. I want them full of love. I want them to appreciate their life, not fantasies and utopias and and delusions of mania. This is sometimes confused with people. So what you're saying is that when we appreciate that life is about balance, that people are about balance, that we can find a sense of being grateful for everything that we have in our life because we're not chasing Well, true gratitude comes in the balanced state. There's two forms of gratitude, a false gratitude and a true grace. The false gratitude is when you support me and I go, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then you challenge me. I go, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. (laughs) That's the false one. Then the true gratitude is now that I see that you're supporting and challenging me and keeping me checked. If I get cocky, you humble me. If I'm down, you lift me up. You're trying to center me and make me authentic. That I'm grateful for. Not one-sidedness, but I'm grateful for both sides. That's true grace, true gratitude. That's the one that allows to open the heart and appreciate the human being as you are and as others are. So what about if someone is in a relationship that we would generally be concerned about, perhaps they're being abused or, or undermined in some way in the relationship. If you're sort of saying, but, but they can look for what the positives are in that relationship, are you condoning that, they should, that we should stay in relationships that are unhealthy for us? Not necessarily. Every, every relationship has a boredom and burnout uh, level. If I came up to you and I said, Kim, I just want to do whatever you want me to do, whenever you want me to do. I just want to be everything you want me to be. I just want to be everything. Just tell me what to do, and I just will do it. And I just want to support you and just be there for you and do. You go get a life. Yeah. You'll stand up to me. You're not a man. Yes. You wouldn't tell. You wouldn't tolerate that because you'd be too bored. Yeah. Boring. But if I went to you and I said, Kim, look, do what I tell you. This is what it is, and this is how it is. And if you don't do it, then I'm out of here. You'll get burned out because they're talking down to you and they're challenging you too much. So you have a tolerance zone between boredom and burnout. Right. And any time a person is waved beyond on those two extremes, this you're out the door. You're not. This isn't working for you. Right. But you can bring those back into moderation by asking new questions. Because abuse is not what somebody does. Abuse is what you label it when you don't see the upsides to it. Once you see the upsides to their challenge, 
or the downsides to their support, because the support can make you dependent, and mm-hmm. the challenge can make you independent. Mm-hmm. If you don't see both sides, then you're run by the outer world, and you're run by them, and you're now, again, victim of the external world, looking for some savior and friend out there to rescue you, instead of empowering yourself and seeing both sides and appreciating them for teaching you. Even if that learning or that lesson compels you to leave that relationship and go and find something that is more aligned. Sometimes you're not ready to grow that fast, Mm. and sometimes their challenge is too much to handle. That's okay. There's nothing wrong. There's no rules. You you know, people come up to me and go, I failed my first marriage. Are you sure? (laughs) Did you grow? Did you learn about yourself? Did you learn about your infatuations? Did you learn about projections? Did you learn from it? If so, why is it a failure? Why not just the next step in your journey? I don't, I don't, you only compare it to, if you compare it to a fantasy about living forever and happily ever after, then you've got a delusion. (laughs) Right. You know, did you grow? And so, you know, you have to ask, what is, what is the standard you're basing your life on? Are you, are you subordinating to an outer authority? Or are you thinking for yourself as an autonomous individual with a vision? Mm. Well, that was my question, actually, that was forming in my mind there. It was, where are we adopting these fantasies from? Where do we get these delusions? Where oh, med- healthcare systems, social systems, psychology systems, and theological systems are the most common. Physiology, psychology, sociology, and theology. Mm. The four opiums of the masses. Health, happiness, harmony, and heaven. Right. These are so to the, you know, Porphyry in the third century, Neoplatonic philosopher addressed this back in his times. He said, you know, it hasn't changed since. The same four things are out there promoting fantasies that mm-hmm. disempower people. And then, you know, I'm, I'm interested in grounding people and getting them empowered in their life. So I, I'm an iconoclast of these four icons. But we're looking for daddy figures to support us and protect us through all four of these systems. And it's time to mature and grow up. And, and and realize that life's got a balance. Instead of looking for saviors in in healthcare, you know, the white coats, the the psychiatrist right. that gives you the drug, the magic bullet, and then the so the sociologist, the political person is telling you what you want to hear, and then the theologist telling you here's in the afterlife what you'll you'll have happiness finally. Yes. These are delusions. It, so I'm I'm an iconoclast of these. So we also do that in our personal lives then obviously we look to our uh, children or our our partner to make us happy. There's that delusion as well, or the, or perhaps it's course, the job. Of course, it is. It, yeah, the job of the career as well. If I can just attain or a certain amount of Twitter followers, these things are, are delusions that we chase and the understanding. Well, the thing is, is the, the the search for that which is unavailable, and the, the 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 brain has hedonic adaptation to it. So the second we get pleasure out of something, the next time we do it, we'll get less pleasure. We also have desensitizations to pain. We have mechanisms in our brain automatically trying to get us back into the center and in our physiology, mm. and we don't listen to them. And so for, we get forced by nature to eventually learn this lesson, wow. the nature of, of, of pair of opposites. That was really powerful what you just said. So you're saying that our body and our mind is actually constantly trying to bring us back to the center. Well, the center is always there. We're not cognizant of it. We're not conscious of it. Yeah. That's the problem. We, we, when we're fully conscious, we see both sides objectively. Right. And we have reason. When we're not, we have a subjective bias. and We're partial-minded, and we're, we're seeing only one side, and that's why the animal emotions run our life. Emotions are feedback mechanisms to let us know we're not seeing the whole. Right. We're only seeing part. <laughs> So I have one final question for you, Dr. Martini, and I ask this of every guest on my podcast. Um, can you suggest one morning reminder? So this could be a daily practice or a mantra, an affirmation perhaps, that my listeners can use to help them become more balanced in the way they view and experience their daily life. 
Well, the first thing to do is to to realize that the word affirmation means a condition of firmness in one's mind, the mind, not positive, peppy little upbeating things. Right. The, this the idea of saying I'm always happy, I'm never sad is delusional. That's a guaranteed uh, intuitive bullshit meter go off. Right. But right. If, if you say to yourself, whether I feel supported or challenged, whether I feel up or down, I know that these are mechanisms trying to guide me into my most authentic self. Mm. And they're basically feedback mechanisms to authenticity. You know, when you're cocky and proud and you think you're up, you get, you're going to end up with, you know, challenging circumstances, tragedies, criticisms to try to get you back in equilibrium. It's a tall poppy syndrome. The second you go down, people lift you up. If I walk in a room and somebody praises me and I go and I, and I lower myself below where they want to praise me, they'll continue to praise me. But if I walk in that room and they praise me and I puff myself up beyond what they praise, they'll cut me down. Because nature's trying to get you in equilibrium. So you have equity for equity theory and equanimity within yourself. And you finally realize that it's a waste of time pursuing a one-sided anything because it's just delusional. Now, every morning, though, you have a particular phrase, a mantra that you tell yourself. Is that correct? I have many. I have, I have thousands of statements that have been learned to be balanced over life. Right. And so, I, I, yes, I have thousands of them. I've used them. So I'm not against affirmation, a condition of firmness in one's mind, because that's something that is congruent with your highest values yes. that you can see uh, that's obtainable and real, that's grounded, that's balanced in life. Whether I feel happy or sad, I'm grateful for. I know that both are guiding me to my most authentic self. That's that's livable. But if I said I'm always happy, I'm never sad, I'm always kind, I'm never cruel, then that's delusional. I understand. That's a really powerful uh thought for my listeners to take away. Dr. Martini, so incredibly grateful for you and the time that you've offered to me and my listeners here today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share and, and for the great questions. It's an important topic. You, you, you've hit something that really needs to be addressed because people out there bang their head against the wall, striving for a one-sided world and then wonder why the world smacks them. And if you're not ready for both sides, you're frustrated. And uh, you're angry at the world, and we're, we're, the, the addiction to, to the fantasy is what brings the nightmare. When you finally embrace life and its wholeness, uh, you get to love your, your life and the people around you. Love your life and appreciate everything and everyone in it. Everything, every, everything that happens in your life is on the way, not in the way, ultimately in your journey. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Martini, and have a fabulous afternoon there in Melbourne. The late musician and rapper Mac Miller once said, Everyone has those days when you doubt yourself and when you feel like everything you do sucks. But then there's those days when you feel like Superman. It's just the balance of the world. You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe and check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself, and be in balance. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.